0: Today we're going to be looking at a, a, a big topic, a topic that Jesus preached about a ton uh, during his ministry, and particularly towards the end of his ministry, and particularly in the Gospel of John. It seems like if Jesus preaches about a topic a lot, it's an important topic for us, wouldn't you think? Um, it's it's a topic, any, any great leader, um, Jesus uh, being, of course, uh, one of the greatest leaders being God in the flesh and all, and all that. Um, the greatest leaders think about what's going to happen after they are no longer physically present with them. And Some of the greatest movements for good or for bad in our culture have, um, have been from visionary leaders who prepared their people for when they leave. And then they could pass off the baton to the next generation. And Jesus preached a lot about a certain topic to prepare his followers for the time when he would no longer be physically Present with them. Notice I said physically present because the topic is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit, sometimes called the Spirit of Christ. Think about it that way the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God. The Bible interchangeably talks about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God. This is the essence of who Jesus is um, in His Spirit. And Jesus told His disciples, Wait for the gift that my father will give you. And when I leave this earth, wait, wait for the gift. The spirit will come and fill you. And then you will have my presence with you to the end of the age internally and in the church and the witness of the church. And this has been working now for a long, long time. The Holy Spirit has filled the church. And since Jesus's the time of Jesus's ministry, Jesus's ministry never ended. It just continued has continued and continued and continued to the present day, because Jesus himself animates his church with his Holy Spirit in in, in, a, in a number of ways, like light shining through a stained glass window and refracting and making a unique pattern for each, through each person that God's created, who's a part of his church. Um, Jesus's Holy Spirit has been continuing the work of Christ in the spirit of Christ, and um, since the time when Jesus was physically present with us on earth and that's an amazing amazing thought and Jesus preached about this constantly to his disciples towards the end of his ministry before he went to the cross telling them to to wait for the helper wait and see what i will do for you when i send my spirit now uh, i really think it's important if you if you've never really thought about this too deeply i think it's very important that we remain um in this mindset that this holy spirit is not a separate entity from jesus and god it is the spirit of christ it is part of the trinity three in one father son and holy spirit so instead of thinking about the holy spirit as some ethereal unknown personality less ghost-like spirit we should think of it as the very spirit and essence of jesus christ himself so when, when you see Jesus interacting in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John with his disciples, with people who had come to him broken and bruised, with people who would come to debate him over theological points, people that came to him for healing, people that came to him for deliverance. You know, Jesus responded to all these people in a certain way based on who he is as God. And Jesus is still interacting with people based on who he is as God in the same kinds of ways. And so we see today, when we do ministry in Jesus's name, by the power of His spirit, something of the essence of Christ and who Jesus is, his compassion, which drove his ministry, his love, uh, all the things that make Jesus, Jesus and Jesus God are present in his spirit in us and his ministry continues. And so this is not a disembodied personality less thing. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ. If you want to know who the Holy Spirit is, Read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. See who Jesus was, how he operated. You will see exactly how, who the Holy Spirit is, how the Holy Spirit oper- operates. Only now, he oper- operates through us as individual believers in God. It's Jesus' spirit fills or, or comes into every person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. And when we come together as a church, when we gather physically together, it is a manifestation of the body of Christ because all the many parts which are animated by Jesus's spirit, come together and form one body of Christ. And and, and I can't really um, emphasize this enough. Every body, every body of believers in the world is unique and different from every other body of believers in the world because God, who knit us together in our mother's womb, um, has a unique personality, gift set, skill set, ability set in each Christian and then the spirit of Christ comes into that, and like I said, shines through the uniqueness and beauty of every individual person, producing a unique ministry that's needed for the world. And likewise, the church, the every local congregation of the body of Christ, such as New Life Fellowship, such as Terra Nova, or Grace Fellowship, or whatever church um, is in our city, uh, worshiping Jesus. Every church has its own personality, uh, based, but but it's all it all has the same essence of Jesus Christ. But different personalities, different um, types of ministries that they do, different ways of, of gathering together. And, and, uh, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. And, the, and when you put all of those bodies together, you kind of scratch the surface of who Jesus is and what Jesus is still doing through his church. It's a very exciting thought. But there are certainly um, greater and lesser manifestations of Jesus's spirit in individual lives of believers and in churches, depending on how much those individual believers and those churches are submitted to the Lordship of God in their lives, how much they allow the Holy Spirit to to, uh, to work through them and in them. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that today, about this idea that Jesus preached about nonstop. And it's our core value, our, our number six core value out of seven. Without the Holy Spirit's empowerment, we can accomplish nothing. Sounds like an extreme statement. And, and no matter how you read that this morning, I guarantee you, you don't believe it as much as you probably should. And I don't believe it as much as I probably should. If we believed it, we would do life and ministry differently. But the goal of faith is not to condemn ourselves for our unbelief, but to say, I want to believe. Help me with my unbelief. Jesus, help me to see how apart from the empowerment of your spirit, I can't accomplish anything. Help me to see that. And help me to grow in, in the empowerment of your spirit, so I can accomplish more for you. Um, you remember Jesus? He said this famous thing I preached about a year ago. He said, um, "It will be better for you if I leave in my body, because if I go, then I will send the spirit into you, and it will be it will be better. Actually, He will do greater things through the larger church that He could do through one man, Jesus Christ. Crazy stuff." But this is something that we, we, we believe on some level as, as Christians, but we certainly don't believe it enough. This is something we need to lean into and ask God to help us to believe and understand, because we, we truly do feel pretty capable, I think. I think each of us feels pretty capable and competent uh, in many ways, and we, uh, we lose this vision that apart from the Holy Spirit, we can't accomplish fruitful ministry for God. But God wants to take all of our competence, gifts, skills, the natural abilities we have, the spiritual gifts that he's given us, and he wants, to, he wants to accomplish great things through each of us. That's what he wants to do. He wants us to look at ourselves with a sober assessment and say, you know, this is who God created me to be. I can do this. And through the Holy Spirit, I can I can make fruit, bear fruit that will last in this world for God. So to me, a very exciting topic. Without the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can accomplish nothing. We get this, even almost this exact wording, in the end of John, like I said, when Jesus is doing all of his sermons about the Holy Spirit and pre- trying to pre- prep his people for when he will be leaving them in bodily form. The vine and the branches. Uh, Jesus says in John 15:1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself and must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man or woman remains in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit. Apart from me... You can do nothing. Then he goes on to describe something that we all know about. When you cut a branch off of a vine, it it looks alive for a little while. But it starts to shrivel. And then it becomes good for nothing, except for maybe firewood or kindling for a fire. Um, Jesus is saying, in the same way, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, um, if you remain in me, you will bear fruit. Fruit that will last. In fact, much fruit. In fact, in verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus' words. Lord, help us to believe those words this morning. Without the Holy Spirit's empowerment, according to Jesus, we can accomplish nothing. I want to do a little survey. And if you're a note taker, even if you're not a note taker, I encourage you to pull out your, your smartphone, your iPad, your computer, um, a piece of paper. I want to do a survey of some of the things and just scratch the surface, some of the things that the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer. The Spirit of Christ does in the life of a believer. As we come to try to grapple with this idea that without the Holy Spirit's empowerment, we can't accomplish anything. Listen to this survey of scripture. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Another translation says there is liberty. So what does the feeling of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life bring? It brings freedom. Think about how Jesus moved, lived and moved. He was criticized. He was rejected. Um, he, he, they, they sought to take his life before he actually gave his life on the cross. He was a completely free agent. He was not caught up in being insecure about who he was or what his ministry was. He did not back down from conversations that, that we would back down from. He did not become insecure. He was totally a free agent. And the spirit of Christ is in us and gives us this ability to live in a very free way um, to to follow God and to be confident in who we are in Christ and who God is in us. So where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Jesus is the spirit. The Lord Jesus, where the Spirit is, there's freedom. That's just the beginning. Listen to this passage from Romans 15, 13. May, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's something about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that fills believers with joy and hope. Think about that. If you woke up every day, with joy and hope manifesting in your life. Hope for the future, joy in your present circumstances. This is what the spirit of Christ brings, and it's the hope and the joy of Jesus Christ. John 14, 16, one of Jesus' parts of his sermon about the Holy Spirit. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Advocate, helper, this is the word for the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. Someone to advocate for you, and someone to help you in your life. To be with you forever. That's fellowship. The Holy Spirit brings the fellowship of Jesus Christ into your life directly. John fourteen twenty six. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Here we see a group of people speaking in a different language by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, a language they did not know before. And then in Acts, in Acts 2, here is, uh, here's another example of what the Spirit did for a group of people. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. And he filled them and caused them to speak in tongues as well. That's, that's in reference to Gentiles coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Acts 11.15, the part of one of the sermons in Acts, it says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit manifests the love of God, and actually pours it into the heart of every believer. This is an amazing thing. The Spirit of Christ is constantly pouring the love of God into a believer. Pouring, 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 constantly. And Jesus lived in this constant sense of the Father's love and approval and his identity. And so can you, by the power of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians, I'm sorry, I got, I got these, I got some of these uh, passages mixed up here. Uh, in the Great Commission, in Matthew 28, Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching to them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The spirit of Christ, again, brings fellowship of Christ into your life. So even when you're alone, you're not alone. You have fellowship with God through Christ. Similar idea in 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. A blessing that was given to the church. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You're never alone with the Holy Spirit. Even if you're alone in your house right now, never think you're alone if you're a believer in Christ. You have the fellowship of God built into your very spirit by the power of Jesus' spirit in you. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power. That's dunamis, dynamite power. We've talked about that before in church. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit brings power into a believer's life. And it manifests in a lot of different ways. It's a power of of hope, power of joy, the power of the love of God, but also the power to witness and share about God boldly with other people. And we see see this in Acts 10.38. After they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The Holy Spirit puts a bold word into Jesus's disciples, and they speak as if they're speaking the very words of God, just as if they were Jesus himself. They share these words confidently with other people in power. Um, the Holy Spirit's power is not, however, limited to having people speak in a different language or limited to simply producing joy and, and boldness in people's lives. Um, the power of the Holy Spirit also does some very surprising things. Listen to this in Acts 4:31. As part of part of a sermon, it says talks about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And that in that power, in that his power, Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. The Holy Spirit's power led to Jesus being able to deliver other people, and and um, and take away the oppression that was on them. And, and you notice it also. In the same breath it says that the Holy Spirit gave Jesus power to go about doing good. Simply doing good, not necessarily not necessarily miraculous, but just doing good was also empowered by the Holy Spirit. Everything Jesus did empowered. Um, listen to this verse in Titus three five. He saves us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saves us through the washing of rebirth, and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Renewal. Think about that. The Holy Spirit renews a believer. Um, The Spirit of Christ brings renewal to a person's life. And then uh, Galatians 5, this is the fruit of the Spirit. And this is a a singular fruit. It's one fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And it manifests in all these different ways. But the fruit of the Spirit, the one fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The fruit, the manifestation of Christ's spirit is all of these attributes that Christ himself embodied in his walk on earth. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And one reference I I always talk about, but didn't put in my notes today. It says in scriptures that if the same spirit that raised Christ to life lives in you, he will also give life to your mortal body. So here we see that even to the point of raising someone to life from death, the Holy Spirit is powerful. Sometimes people get the Holy Spirit stuff um, split. But I want you to notice from the, these lists and lists of verses, and there could have been so many more, that the Holy Spirit doesn't just do miracles, signs and wonders, like making people enabling people to speak in tongues, different tongues, like healing or delivering the oppressed. Um, like, like, uh, like healing the sick. It's not just the miraculous. He also, by his great power, produces the character attributes of Christ in every believer. And so that's good news because if anyone is going to be doing powerful works in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit, you want them to have the character of Christ because otherwise they could do a lot of damage, right? And we've, we've seen that. That can happen uh, when people... Uh, talk about the powerful stuff, the demonstrations, the signs and wonders and the miracles, and they forget to talk about how the Spirit empowers us to live holy lives, to live with self-control, to live with great love, to live with hope. These are things that the power of the Holy Spirit produces in us, the power of fellowship. These are all manifestations of one and the same Spirit. A couple things that uh, I wanted to share with you as we go into this talk. You know, John Soper, um, who I'm drawing a little bit up from here because I thought this material was so good. He, produ- he provided an assessment to believers. And this assessment was meant to track how much you are or, or are not um, manifesting the core values of of our denomination, which are, which are just from the Bible. These are the same four values that we have. And he made a set of six questions to test how are we doing at this core value that... Apart from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can't accomplish anything. And listen to just the careful wording that John used. And maybe this is something that you can um, look at later and and, and record uh, to, 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 to look at yourself. Question number one, I am aware on a daily basis of the work of the Spirit in my life. He says, rate yourself from one to five on that one. Are we aware of the work that the spirit of Christ is trying to exert on us on a daily basis, not just a yearly basis, but are we we in touch with him to know what he's doing today? Number two, I practice the discipline of self-examination and confession of sin on a daily basis. Agree or disagree, one to five. My spouse or the closest person to me can give examples of me asking for and granting forgiveness in the last seven days, one to five. My level of intimacy with Christ is steadily growing. My relationship with Jesus feels like it's growing. One to five. I can give recent examples of the work of the Holy Spirit in and through me. That's the the ministry and the character that he produces. And then number six, the fruit of the Spirit is growing more evident in my life. One to five. And I think that these are great questions Uh, we we need to be asking and looking into our lives. You know, not just a few years ago or when we first became a Christian or when we were in a college ministry together, but how is the fruit of the Spirit and the work of the spirit evident in our lives in the last seven days? What, what is he doing and how can we grow in our understanding uh, so that we can truly say of ourselves, apart from him, I can't do anything apart from him. I can't do anything. I need, I need to be in touch with that every day. I, I, Honestly, along with, with many of you, I mean, we don't know why, you know, this pandemic is going on, but I can say in full confidence that uh, even though it's this dark and what feels like an evil thing that's, that's causing sickness and pain in the world, you know, that it doesn't exempt just because it's that bad. It doesn't exempt it from the promise of God in Romans eight twenty eight that God will use all things, good and bad for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, for the good of the church, for the good of individual disciples. And so in the meantime, as we as we wait out this pandemic, I think that we are being given this opportunity um, to, to reflect and to look at our lives, to ask those kinds of questions John is asking, and to say, you know, are we really connected meaningfully to the vine? Or are we more like the branch that's fallen off and is beginning to shrivel up uh, in this meantime, in this wait that we're going through culturally, you know, for some people, it's going to be a really terrible time. And um, for others, they are going to realize that God is going to redeem the time. He's going to use this time for the good of individuals and the church if we will allow him to do that. But we need to have a revelation as individual Christians and as a church. And not only us, but every Christian in the world needs to have a revelation during this time about why we seem to lack spiritual power that's talked about in the Bible. We need to have a revelation about that. We need to look at that question straight on and ask it with boldness. You know, why do I not seem to have the same kind of dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit that the early church had, the church, the church in different centuries has had, that Jesus had and His disciples had. You know, why do I lack spiritual power? Because wouldn't it be awesome if, when we came out of this pandemic and this time of social separation, we asked those hard questions, and we got more in touch with with the answer to the why question, and we, we've got we got more in touch with the Holy Spirit? Wouldn't it be awesome if we all began to experience the benefits of being meaningfully connected to? to Jesus and, and not only the, the character attributes that we all need to develop um, that come from Jesus, but also the power of the Holy Spirit, of healing, of delivering from darkness, um, of speaking the word of God boldly, of miracles, signs, and wonders. How cool would it be if we came back from this time of where we're kind of hidden from one another and social distancing, and we had this um, breakthrough in our relationship With God. And you know my dream is that whenever we get back together physically. That we will be a more empowered church. More empowered to live the character of Christ. And also to do the works of Christ in the power of Christ. Because apart from his empowerment. We truly are just kind of limping along. We we definitely are. And there is. I said before and I'll say it again. There is more for us as disciples of, of Jesus Christ. Than we've experienced yet. And God has has something for us if we will seek him during this time and do that inventory, ask those questions. How am I really doing? I thought about um, some reasons why sometimes we, we think we're not experiencing the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. One of those re- reasons that's brought up time and time again is we say, well, I'm too busy. There's not enough time for me to really get in touch with God in such a way that I can seek him and be empowered by his Holy Spirit. I think that we've all seen that that's a little bit of a, uh, you know, that's probably not true because we all have a lot of time right now and that's not our propensity. You know, even with all this extra time, well, not all of us, I know some people are busier than ever, but I'm saying we do have some extra time. Things have shifted around in our schedules. It's not a matter of not having enough time in the day that we are not um, growing in, in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You know, some people have said, you know, maybe some, maybe the reason that I'm not experiencing the empowerment that the Holy Spirit should bring is because God is so hard to access you know it's tied into the time thing now I'm not a spiritual enough person to seek God the amount that God needs to be sought in order to receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit but in Luke 11:13, 13 Jesus debunks that he says which of you fathers if his son asks for a fish will give him a snake etc etc you know if even evil people know how to give good gifts to their children how much more will the father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him jesus is not hard to access god is not hard to access god has made himself available to each of us so it's not a time issue it's not an issue of access in fact in james 4 he says if we draw near to god he will draw near to us and, and the suggestion for drawing near to god is that we should submit ourselves to god we should resist resist the devil come near to god um, repent of our sins turn from our from our darkness and as we do that, but in our insincerity of heart, God will draw near to us. It's not a puzzle that we can't solve. God has made himself available. Furthermore, the Bible teaches that every Christian has received a deposit of God's Holy Spirit within them. And that's a deposit whether or not you really live a, a, a life of fullness in the spirit or not. It's a deposit that guarantees your future inheritance in God. And it talks about this in, in several places in the scripture. And... Um, you know, it's not a matter of access. God's given us his spirit, a deposit of it. He's promised more if we will abide in him and stay clinging to the vine. Now, you know, some people think that they can't experience the empowered life of a Christian because they didn't grow up in a Christian family. And they look around them and they see people that grew up in a Christian home maybe know more about the Bible. And they feel like it's a disadvantage to them somehow. That's, that's definitely not true. That's not the case. Often we think the grass is greener for somebody else. That's not the case. I mean, look at Cornelius the centurion in Acts 10. You know, he and his entire household went from being non-Christians to being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit without any familial background in God at all. And, now you know, some people say, you know, I grew up in a Christian family. That was a disadvantage to me because I know all the stories about God and I know the Bible very well. If I only had... A more dramatic conversion experience where I went from darkness to light, and I could just I ha- had that kind of empowered experience like Paul had on the road to Emmaus. You know, then then I'd be empowered by the Holy Spirit, but even my Christian background is working against me. Now that's not the case either. You know, Paul says to Timothy, a young pastor, uh, in First Timothy one five to seven, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which was first lived in your grandmother Lois, and then your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded. It now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit of God that he gave us does not make us timid, but gives you power, love, and self-discipline. So we see that neither having no background in Christianity and just coming to Christ or having a background in Christianity is a disadvantage, but everyone can equally Come to God, whether you have been a Christian for a long time or whether you become a Christian today, you can begin to live this different empower, spirit-empowered life. Now, some people say God just doesn't work in these kinds of powerful ways in the world anymore. The, the time of miracles is over. The time of, of people giving dynamic words from his Holy Spirit is over. Uh, the time for deliverance from demonic oppression is over. That was in the Bible times. We live in a different age now. The you know, people, people say these kinds of things to make sense of their lack of experience with the Holy Spirit. But there, there is literally no biblical evidence for this position. The Bible assumes this ministry is going to stay and become more and more vibrant as time goes by, even until the end of the age. The Bible assumes this ministry will continue. And I love what Rob Reimer says. He says, when you read scripture and your experience does not match what's found in the Bible... You don't wanna bring the Bible down to match your experience. You want to bring yourself up so that you can experience the things that the people in the Bible experienced. To to, to say, look, this isn't evidence that the Bible is, is incorrect when it says these things will happen. What this is, is a, is a bar for me to shoot more. There's, there's more for me. I can do the ministry of Christ and the power of Christ. I can develop the character of Christ. I can continue the ministry of Christ on earth as an individual and and with my church family together. So it's not because we're too busy. We don't have time to seek after God. It's not because God's spirit is too hard to find and he's made it elusive to us. It's not the result of growing up without a Christian background or or the result of growing up with a Christian background. And it's not because God changes the way he works that we have not experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. So really... We have to ask ourselves the question, the question that begs honesty during this time of being hidden away from others. Really honestly, we need to ask the question, why do we not experience the fullness of God's Holy Spirit in our lives? This is a question that I am grappling with myself during this time. And drawing, drawing some thoughts here from John Soper. He says, the first reason is sometimes just ignorance. Some people just have never been taught about the Holy Spirit or the benefits of living by the Holy Spirit. In, in, uh, in Acts 19, Paul ran into a group, a band of John's disciples, and he asked them if they had received the Holy Spirit. Something about this group made him perhaps doubt that they had received the Holy Spirit. Something was not quite as it needed to be. And then he shared the baptism of Jesus. Um, Into in the new life, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in other tongues. This—the only problem with this group was that they were ignorant of, of, the, of the teaching; they were ignorant of what God wanted to do. And once they were made, it was made known to them. They began to seek after it, just like that. They are filled with the Holy Spirit, just like the other disciples. And there are many people in our lives, in the world today, in our community of Saratoga Springs that simply do not know the full story of what God wants, what God has done, what God wants to continue to do and where this is all going. They don't know the whole story. They maybe uh, had, you know, one parent that went to church and the other parent didn't, or they or they uh, went to church only on holidays and, and all they really know about is the birth of Christ, the death of Christ, maybe Mother's Day, Father's Day, the, that's it. Um, they, they, they don't know the full story of what Jesus came to do and what God desires to continue doing through just regular everyday people. It's no fault of their own. They just haven't heard the good news. And, uh, and so some of us, we just, maybe some of you who are listening, you just don't know about this vibrant life of the spirit, this power life of the spirit God wants to give to all of his children because you've never, you've never heard about it. It's never been framed for you this way. And uh, that's one of the reasons we sometimes don't experience the fullness of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. Another reason we don't experience the fullness of God's Spirit in our lives, I think we know this, is that we continue to tolerate the presence of sin in our lives. Sin that separ- separates us um, and and hurts our relationship with God. So there's lots of lots of believers out there that, that have a deposit of the Holy Spirit, but they continue walking in sin and they don't really get to get to reap the great benefits of a life, the deeper life of the Holy Spirit. What a bummer that is. But we live in that bummer. A lot of us live in that bummer day in and day out. I don't think it's God is a killjoy, and that's why he wants us to repent of our sin. I think he wants us to experience life, and life abundantly, life to the full. And so he says, turn away. In, uh, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20, this is a very um, common theme through Paul's writing. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst. Listen, um, when Paul said this, it would have been much more powerful because remember, remember there was still temple worship going on uh, during this time, and the temple was where the presence of God was and the Holy of Holies was. And Paul is saying, There's a new temple since Christ, and it's your body, the Holy Spirit in your body. Mm-hmm. That's why we're a very embodied faith. You know, Christians talk a lot about what we do and don't do with our bodies because it's important to us. Uh, because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we want to live in the fullness of what he has for us. Romans 5.5 5 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know, the Spirit is is in you. So don't grieve the Holy Spirit by constantly um, going the wrong direction in your life and going against his promptings. Uh, it's the same kind of frustration perhaps that we might feel with our children when they just constantly don't listen and just all day long there's tension because they're not listening. They're not and when what we have to tell them is for their good. We're telling them, you know, what food is available for you to eat today? You know, this is how you're gonna get a ride to this or that activity. This is this is how you can have a full life as one of my children. Yet they don't listen and they continue to walk their own way. That's why it's like when we grieve the Holy Spirit, I believe. And uh, many people will just um That that was, by the way, in Ephesians passage, not Romans, I'm sorry. Many people just won't walk away from their sin. And so they remain in Christ as a believer by grace, but you don't get to experience the great benefits of being in Christ and walking in the Spirit. And that's sort of like like a tragedy, because you're you're not walking in what could be. You're walking in um, a severely limited type of relationship with God because... um, The continued presence of sin is allowed in your life. I think during this time of hiddenness and and pandemic, this is a great time to look into your life and say, you know, what am I, what am I tolerating that's keeping me from the very good things the father has for me? I think that's an important question to ask. You know, the spirit does not convict us to condemn us. Jesus doesn't convict us of, of our sin to condemn us or to shame us. He convicts us to bring us freedom so that we can finally walk in the fullness of what he desires for his children. So one, you know, one of the reasons we don't experience the fullness of the spirits, it's, it's because we, some people just don't know. For some people, it's a continued presence of sin in their lives. For others, it's fear. And we read in that passage in 2 Timothy, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I feel that this this fear one is huge for us. In the 2nd Timothy verse, it contrasts the spirit of fear with the spirit of God. And it says, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but his Holy Spirit, which gives you power, love, and self-control. So presumably, the spirit of fear gives you whatever the opposite of power, love, and self-control are. A a spirit of fear disempowers your life. A spirit of fear makes your love grow cold. A spirit of fear takes away your self-control. Leading to a downward spiral effect in your life. Fear keeps us from the fullness of God, what God has for us. It's reasonable, of course, to have fears, especially during a time like this in our world that we're living through. If, however, you not only have some fears, but you have given, um, you have kind of given in and surrendered to your fears, and you've lost your trust in God and being in God's hands, you know you're not in a good place. You're in a spirit of fear. It's pretty much the opposite of what the Spirit of Christ wants to do. So I think I think that for you, if, if fear is what's keeping you from the fullness of what the Holy Spirit brings, you know, this is a time to surrender your life to God. Just remember, you know, you are in God's hands. Your friends and family are in God's hands. Um, we just have to surrender that control and say, we trust you. We will continually abide in your presence and trust you. Um, because otherwise, the spirit of fear will take over. We will miss out on what the Holy Spirit has for us. And you know, finally, the fourth thing that keeps us from the fullness of the Holy Spirit that God is trying to offer to us is, is just apathy. It's just when you, you just don't care um, as much as you know you should uh, for whatever reason. And, you, and, I, and I think that uh, the, re- the real problem with apathy is that you tell yourself and you tell other people that you do care. But deep down, you just don't care, you know. It's a self-deception thing. And um, in your heart, you actually don't really want the Holy Spirit to change you or to work in your life. You're not ready to submit to him in your heart of hearts. And I think that when you have apathy, when you don't really have a desire to, to seek after God or live in the fullness of his spirit. You just have to be honest with yourself and maybe be honest with another person. Like, I actually just don't want this. I know I should want this, but I don't want this. And um, and I've become kind of cold. But as you become honest with yourself, with other people about your just lack of interest in your relationship with God, it's a conviction for our apathy about our faith and the growth as Christians that can lead to a more fervent seeking of God and greater spiritual empowerment in our lives. Its conviction is given, again, not to shame a person, not to make a person feel bad. Conviction of apathy is meant to, to push us forward into a place where we do begin to care, where we say, along with along with the great uh, disciples of the past, Lord, I'd like to believe. Help me with my unbelief. Lord, I don't even want to believe. I don't even want to do this right now. Help me. I'm, I'm apathetic. So these four things. They keep us from the fullness of the Holy Spirit, just not knowing, ignorance. Um, the continued presence and toleration of sin in our lives to any degree, that's going to take away our effectiveness. Our fears, giving in to fear and submitting to fear instead of submitting to God. And then our apathy, just we don't care as much as we should. These are the things that keep us from God. And God, when he brings conviction about these things, it's not to shame or condemn a person, but it's because he has a greater deeper life for every believer than they are currently living. He wants us to not only exist and breathe and take up space. He wants us to live life abundantly. And he wants us to actually become um, people that are ambassadors for his grace and his message. People that are ambassadors for uh, for healing, for physical healing, for deliverance from, from darkness in people's lives, uh, for, for love and kindness and just good works to other people ambassadors for the kingdom of God, telling the good news about Jesus and how God has given everybody access to the Father through Christ. That's what God wants to bring about in our lives. He wants to bring about the same kind of works that Jesus did and continues to do in the church. He wants us all to do that. He wants our church to move forward in that paradigm of, of love, of empowerment, and the Holy Spirit. So that's our, our core value. Apart from the empowerment of the holy spirit we can't accomplish much we can do a lot but we can't accomplish much fruit that will last so this morning wherever you find yourself on this spectrum know that god uh, when he brings conviction it's not to shame you or make you feel bad it's to bring you and draw you into that deeper life that he desires for his children Father God, we submit ourselves to you this morning. We say we want more in our relationship with you. Just as in Ezekiel's vision, that your breath blew over those dry bones and caused them to come to life. We see that picture of our our lives, how we can be dried out, discarded, useless, just not doing well at all. But the breath of God comes upon them and gives them life. Jesus, we we look to you today, we look to your breath, your spirit, to fill us, God. That we would emerge from this time of hiddenness, empowered by your spirit like never before, ready to do the works of Christ for the world, for each other. Now to the God who can do immeasurably more than we hope or ask according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Amen. You are dispersed. Go and be the church.